No, it's not an impression. I'm actually saying hello. Hello. How you doing, brother? Good, good. Sorry it took me so long to get this thing started. Uh, Anchor changed its UI, and it's much for the worst. Um, I think I think its new UI gave me AIDS and cancer, and if you're thinking about doing a podcast, you should 100% never use the Anchor app. It's fucking garbage. Before uh, we get into that, what is UI? Uh, user interface. Ah, okay. I understand now. That yeah. makes a lot of sense now that you say it. Hey, man, um, you you live in Silicon Valley. You should know this shit. I I live a little bit outside of Silicon Valley. Oh, yeah. You're um, like in the East Bay, huh? I'm in the East Bay. I'm out in um, a non-disclosed location uh, further outside of the East Bay, actually, sort of up by the uh, the Delta area. If you know what okay. I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's dry. It's down. hot. Yeah. But uh, I dig it. I kind of expect it's going to be a little bit um, easier to survive out here when the big earthquake hits because people are a little bit more spread out. But no, you know you're not. you're all going to starve to death and eat each yeah, other. Um, I live next to cattle grazing uh, lands, though. Oh, that's good. But you're not allowed to have a gun, really, are you? It being in California, California? Yeah. I mean. I don't think anybody's really allowed to have a gun. So yeah, are you even like, allowed to have like crossbows and shit? Pointy sticks? I just have to like, I just have to like go with like a hatchet. Yeah. A hatchet attack a, a a full grown bull. Yeah. Just just jump on his back and start eating it while it's still alive. That sounds okay. Yeah. Um, speaking of speaking of eating things while they're still alive, um, uh, I'm an avid um, kettle kettle cooked potato chip guy. Okay. Eater. And um, and I've started to see um, some companies come out with avocado oil, you know, cooked in 100% avocado oil as opposed to whatever the regular ones are, canola or corn or yeah, horrible horseshit. And I just didn't know if they were like pandering to avocado toast millennials or. They absolutely are because they can charge you. They can just say avocado anywhere in the name of it and they and can charge an you three dollar. times as much yeah, yeah. <laughs> well so, and well, let me the, guess you're eating some right now aren't you i am these are the yep. same price and it's what happened but no no no. I've, I've put off trying the avocado oil cooked chips for a long time because okay. i was skeptical uh, but um and, and I, I never wanted to get a full bag of them you know what i mean like don't fix what's not fucking broke i'm gonna get the big brown bag of the kettle cooked chips y'all know what i'm talking about oh creme de la creme so they started coming out with the avocado cooked fucking ones. So I saw these two like um, snack, uh, snack sized bags for like a dollar and change each. So mm-hmm. I got one of the avocado oil and I got one of just regular sea salt. And I got to be honest, the avocado oil does taste a little bit different. It's a little bit more like earthy and um, like the salt profile doesn't, doesn't come across as much. It's kind of what I would what I would imagine like eating a vegan would be like, or okay. Taste like you know, yeah. like like um, hints you know, of like, patchouli and uh, um, anemia or something. Right, like like really you know connected spiritual earth stuff. That's how I feel when I eat these, and it's it's kind of unsettling to be completely honest. I like the regular ones. Okay. Um. So uh, hot take, hot take, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Take the Money and Run. I am your host, or one of your two hosts, James Degro, and I'm joined by... Will Vericat, your other host, co-host. Co-host, that's what, that's what we are, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, good evening, accomplices, for it is uh, a little bit later than when we usually record. Um, well, they're, they're probably going to be listening to it at their leisure. Well... Either way, uh, believe it or not, the sun has finally gone down out here, and it's a little bit cooler than it's been. So yeah, it's a twelve oh seven in the a.m. out uh, here in uh, in America. So you're actually recording tomorrow. I I am. That's intense because it's it's nine oh seven here. So that means three hours of shit hasn't even happened yet. It's fucking crazy, man. Fuck. Well. If it's anything like it is here, the lightning bugs are going to come out, or fireflies, depending on your vernacular. And it's probably uh, the neighborhood you grew up in. Yep. Like a state by state thing. Yeah, actually, so the fireflies we got out here, compared to the ones in Dayton proper, they're lightning bugs. To, 
a few, a few, uh, like I'm 10 miles away from where I was living, but okay. they flash completely differently. Not only are they different colors, but they blink very quickly instead of going like slowly on and off. And like off for a while. Yeah. That's how the ones, um, where I grew up, uh, Northern New Jersey were like. Yeah, the ones the ones here are like strobing. I don't know if it's because we're close to the base and they've had all sorts of weird ass chemicals for generations. They've or... just been like huffing all that um, meth uh, meth lab. Yeah, exhaust. meth lab runoff and fucking airplane fuel fumes and chemtrails and um, whatever suboxone and fluoride in the water and. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, now they've they're like a uh, a rave in your backyard. Or that sounds pretty cool, though. Oh, it sounds, is. I, yeah, I, because like I've only seen them as the slow ones, so I I never even knew that really existed. No, I definitely prefer this variety of firefly. It's um, it's it's more my speed. Are they easier to hit with a baseball bat? Um, no, they're actually harder. So I think it is a pretty good defense mechanism, but they do tend to land and blink when they're landed for longer, so they're easier to catch. And oh, okay. I guess, yeah, if, if you're fine with hitting a grounded firefly with a baseball bat, it's probably, <laughs> probably just as good. Just put a dent in the soil. Yeah. Put a little bit of neon glow on the bottom of it. Hell yeah. Um, paint your face with their guts and have a oh, yeah, really cool strobing that. skin effects. That's, yeah. Yeah, I remember doing that as a kid. Gross. <laughs> Gross, man. Um, so, uh... I'm going to jump right fucking into it. Do it. I'm so fucking excited. Uh, May 2nd, 2011, um, shortly after 1 a.m. Pakistani standard time. Ooh, taking a turn. Uh, Operation Neptune Spear is underway. Uh, U.S. Navy SEALs, along with other elements of Joint Special Operations Command and CIA Special Activities Division, um, raid a compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan. Uh, they kill the most wanted man in the world, uh, one Osama bin Laden. Um, okay, this this did not go where I where I was expecting it to go. No, no, uh, it's 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 going there though. Um, after uh, the death of Osama bin Laden, he not Osama bin Laden. Uh, he our topic today elevated to the number one spot from the number two spot on the FBI top ten most wanted list. Gotcha. Um, Forbes magazine ranked him uh, from 2009 to 2011 as one of the most powerful and influential people in the world, ranking him 41st, 60th, and 55th, respectively. Um, The U.S. government considers him the most ruthless, dangerous, and feared man on the planet. That's quotes. Uh, Although there is no evidence that he has ever stepped foot into the fucking city, the Chicago Crime Commission named him public enemy number one, for the influence of his criminal network in Chicago. The last person to receive such notoriety was Al Capone in 1930. Uh, So I'm watching UFC. I'm all fucking pumped up in the red corner. He's an international drug kingpin fighting out of Sinaloa, Mexico. He stands five feet, six inches tall, weighing in at 201 pounds. Introducing Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. <laughs> it's fucking El Chapo episode, everybody. All right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if your ears are not blown out. I know my fucking roommates are definitely wondering what the fuck is going on. Oh, uh, you're you're excited about this, I can tell. I've been working on it. So, Joaquin Guzman was born in a tiny little settlement called La Tuna, um, just outside of a very small town called Batiriguato um, in the state of Sinaloa, Mexico. Uh, he was born to a very, very poor family. Um, his parents were Emilio Guzman and Maria Loera. Um, He was born on December 25th, 1954. Or possibly he was born on April 4th, 1957. Because nobody actually fucking knows. Damn. For sure. Yeah. So that adds to the lore of El Chapo. Um, 
his father was a was a cattle rancher uh, and uh, reported to also be a, a, a gomero, which is um, an opium poppy farmer, um, which is basically like as poor as these people were in this, you know, this area of Mexico. That's pretty much all you did. You, you, could, you could raise animals. Uh, you could be a dirt farmer or, you, you know, you could grow opium poppy. And um, it's not so much as like uh, seen as people breaking the law. It's that's just that's just how you put, you know, put food, food on the table. That's how you put food on the fucking table. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, so uh, Emilio Guzman um, would also transport and sell marijuana at like local markets, local financial hubs and stuff. Um, but by the time Emilio would make it back home, uh, he would regularly have spent all the profits of his day on alcohol and hookers. Like you do. Like you do. Cause he's a good guy. Yeah. So as a child, Joaquin Guzman, um, sold oranges, uh, dulces, which are like, um, candies or kind of like pastries, sweet things, um, like on the side of the road. And um, he dropped out of school after, I put it in quotes, but the third grade uh, to work with his father, Emilio, um, who regularly beat, beat him. Um, yeah. Well, th- this is just proof that school's bullshit anyway, so good for him. Yeah, dude. Listen, yeah. So, uh, hold on. Where is it? It's going to be in one more bullet point. Um, at home, he would stand up to his father, uh, like, to protect his younger siblings. He had a couple younger siblings. Um, most of which actually died like when he was a couple years old, but um, he would stand up to his father like physically and he ended up just getting beat more, you know, for trying to protect his siblings. Um, However, he was pretty close with his mother. Uh, He said he was like her emotional support system. Bullshit. Um, Back to schooling. Uh, The nearest official school was 60 miles away. Um, so what Joaquin would only get some education, you know, every couple months um, when like this traveling teachers group would come by and they would kind of rotate through like three months at a time. And that was kind of like his schooling. Um, so that's why I put third grade in quotes, because I don't really know. Um, uh, but uh, by the age of 15, he got fed up with his with his dad's bullshit and like his mismanagement of, you know, the family finances. That's how they were, that's how they were all getting by was this guy. And he was just drinking and spending it on uh, prostitutes. So he got together with um, four of his cousins and they cultivated their own marijuana plantation. And he financially supported his family, like from there on with this. Um, Nice. Yeah. He, he, he really stepped up and did it. Um, Sometimes in his, uh, I'm sorry, sometime later in his teens, uh, his father actually kicked him out of the house that he lived in, um, and he went to live with his grandfather, who uh, nicknamed him Shorty, because he's five foot six, but even in Mexico, you know, I mean, people are like a little bit shorter, but for some reason, like, just his stature, he was like a stocky dude, you know, and so his grandfather called him Shorty. In Mm -hmm. Spanish, Shorty, or the Shorty is el chapo it's it's always chapo gordo um oh there's so many there's so many nicknames in this thing that i that i just didn't write them down i mean this one's el pollo this one's el gordo this one's el azul pollo this one's um el cholo this one's yeah everything um so uh so yeah his grandfather actually nicknamed him el chapo which stands for like shorty, like, you know, little guy, um, which is interesting because I thought El Chapo sounds like such a badass fucking like, you know, crime boss name. Yeah. All this time, you know, <laughs> you're thinking like chopping people's heads off, you know, El Chop, Chop, Chapo. But yeah. really it's a, it's a, a comment on his height by his grandfather when he was like 16 or 17. <laughs> he All just right. stuck this whole time. So, Damn. So now I can start calling him El Chapo. Uh, so El Chapo started working in organized crime and the drug trade in his early 20s. Um, in the 1970s, he started working for Hector Palma, 
by transporting drugs within Mexico from the South Sierra Madre mountainous region up towards the cities um, in the north on the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, he is noted and notorious for, for like always asking everybody for more responsibility, more ability to, you know, do more stuff, do it faster, you know, make more money, move more so, product. So he's ambitious. Oh, the, the most. That's basically what people say. Like nobody's more ambitious than El Chapo because he's just all the time, all the time. Give me more, give me more. And that's how he rise. That's how he rises up to where he eventually becomes. It's just his, oh man, his movements and his business, business smarts, I guess. But this is the beginning right here. So um, he started to gain notoriety quickly for being like a, like really reliable, you know, really respected. Um, but also uh, for not being accepting of late, deliveries or shipments or you know smuggled goods or whatever um he was notorious to uh if, if so if you were a drug smuggler and um you know you got there late or you got back late or whatever anything's off schedule el chapo personally comes and shoots you in the head well that's incentive now we now we here we go gears are turning the fucking truck is rolling now so um, yeah, he was known to fucking shoot the guy in the head himself if anything was off, off par. Um, from, from there, he was introduced to uh, Felix Gallardo, who was the leader of the Guadalajara cartel. And um, at the time, the Guadalajara cartel was, was it. It, it. You know, it was the most powerful. It was the biggest. It had the furthest reach. Um, Felix Gallardo uh, was known as El Padrino which translates roughly into the Godfather. Um, he began working for him directly as a chauffeur, kind of like a body man. Um, but uh, as, as he started to prove himself to Felix Gallardo, uh, you know, he eventually got handed like the entire logistics operation of the Guadalajara cartel. So all the movement of the drugs, all the movement in of the precursors and everything all the movement of the cash, all the movement of the cash to bribe people, all the movement of the cash to bribe people on the other side of the border to receive the shipments. I mean, everything. The guy's in with the most powerful. That's what's up. So by the mid-1980s, the Medellin cartel, which was Pablo Escobar's cartel, um, in Colombia and the Cali cartels uh, were facing increasing pressure by the U.S. government. I mean, uh, did you, have you seen Narcos? Yeah, I've seen Narcos. I've seen the, well, I saw the first season. The first season is pretty much all I need to say. Okay. I mean, the, the second season starts to go into the Cali cartels, and I just, I don't think I've seen the entire second season, so I don't, I didn't follow it close enough. But, um, so yeah, basically, if you've seen Narcos or if you haven't at that time, you know, the DEA was putting a lot of significant pressure on these guys. Um, uh, the, the Mexican cartels were already acting as middlemen um, for the Colombian cartels. Uh, they basically received a fee for each kilo of cocaine that they delivered across the border, but they only had the Mexican corridor, which would go up through, you know, up into California, Arizona, Texas, um, the Colombian cartels had the Florida, you know, Miami connection at that point, um, other South American and Caribbean routes. So they were kind of good. The, the Mexican cartels and their delivery logistics were kind of like second place for them at this time. Okay. So at some point in, you know, the DEA cracking down on them, you know, they're starting to lose shipments. Um, they figure out that it's cheaper and easier to let the Mexican cartels take over basically smuggling operations across the board. Yeah, so um, they do the, the manufacturing and just let the Mexicans handle all the distribution? Absolutely. And, and what's interesting was the Colombians were only dealing in, in coca. They were only making cocaine. But, but 
what El Chapo started to get into and what the Mexican cartel started to get, get into was methamphetamine. You know, they had already grown marijuana for, you know, I mean, generations. And, um, but then they would also, you know, get the cocaine. Um, and they were doing heroin too, right? Heroin eventually came in. And I mean, now they're, now they're making fentanyl, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I heard one thing that within like 10 years of them, manufacturing and importing heroin the potency went or the potency or purity uh, purity yeah the, the purity went from like 40 and change to 90 and change so that's well, why there yeah that's why there's a lot of like overdoses and things going on because like people are just not expecting this intense yeah you know. one, one thing that's interesting about the um heroin that one finds in somewhere like uh, the West Coast, as opposed to what someone finds in the East Coast, is okay. two completely, completely different things. That's so, super interesting. Please the, talk more. Yeah, so I, I I always assume that you know the the Mexican heroin was uh, kind of garbage stuff. It was you know the black tar heroin that you you can't snort it, which a lot of people I guess like to do on you the East the, Coast, which is more China white. Yeah, which is like yeah. the Afghan opium. Oh, okay. Um, or the, okay. the Afghan heroin. Uh, they probably turn into heroin somewhere in the stands or whatever. Um, and I would be willing to bet that has, if we want to don our tinfoil hats a little bit, um, I'm down. it's probably got a different uh, distribution network and one that's a little bit more, um, I don't know, not illegal, but extra legal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so. There's... Uh... Well, spoiler, everybody, this is going to be a two-part episode because I couldn't, I could, I'm handwriting all these notes. And so far, not for just this episode, but for all the episodes, I have like 40-something pages of handwritten notes in this notebook. And I'm fucking shot. My hand's shot. It's too hot today. I'm sweaty. And uh, there's going to be a lot of information in this anyway. And the next episode's going to be dope. But so what you were saying in the, in the distribution networks is, is taking me back to why El Chapo was Chicago Crime Commission public enemy number one. He um, figured out that, you know, to move this kind of stuff, um, cocaine, heroin, uh, quickly, he needed established, uh, you know, logistics in the United States. So he turned to street gangs in Chicago, specifically um, the Latin Kings and the Gangster Disciples are cartel backed in chicago so don't interesting don't fuck with them um and uh yeah to the point where um mexican cartel or i'm I'm sorry uh sinaloa cartel you know officials members whatever could go to chicago talk to a local drug dealer or gang member or whatever and be like look we're gonna set you up we're going to cartel, we're going to back you. We're the cartel. We're going to have this much, you know, guaranteed. You just need to move it. You just need to sell it. You need to make money. We're here to help you. We're here to protect you. Uh, yeah, so like a... But you um, better move it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a much more potentially violent franchise opportunity. A hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, so the, so... Whew, so... But Chicago, interestingly enough, is like the gateway to the Midwest, which is what I've seen with a lot of the heroin and cocaine. So now I, the the fentanyl. Um, did you find that out in the research that it's coming from Mexico? Because I was always a little curious about that. Um, the well, okay. So the little bit that I did see about fentanyl, um, it's it's completely synthetic, and they manufacture it. I'm sorry, manufacture it in the, in the, in the United States. So they're really? not, they're, yeah, they're not like transferring that over. They, yeah, because it's, it's so easy to, you know, there's, you don't have to grow poppies or anything, you know, you know, the, the heroin process is done. It's just, you just need a lab and that's it. So, but, but it is the Mexican cartels that are making it. They just do it locally. Or, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that, that's what I heard. I'm sure there's other, uh, crime syndicates of other nationalities that totally deal in fentanyl. But um, at El Chapo's height, or, you know, the Sinaloa cartel's height, which, you know, 
still very much is a very powerful uh, crime syndicate in our world today. Um, 80% of the cocaine in the United States uh, was from El Chapo. And 50% of all the drugs in the entire United States were courtesy of El Chapo and the Sinaloa cartel. Um, nice. The, uh, the legalization, you know, of, of cannabis in California and other states, obviously, has just decimated Mexican um, marijuana production. So it's basically made it, it – they, I'm sure they just still do it, but it's made it like a joke crop for them, you know. Well, also, they, they've always been known for growing garbage pot. Yeah, yeah. I've seen, uh, I've seen pictures. Yep. So, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. So when, when the Colombian cartels gave over all the trade routes and kind of let, let the Mexican cartels take over, um, the, uh, sorry, it's late people. Um, this vastly increased the Mexican cartels influence in the entire region in South America, North America, Central America, the Caribbean, everywhere. So like in one fell swoop, Mexico is just rocketed to the top of the international drug trade. Um, At this time, of course, the DEA was beginning undercover efforts within the Mexican cartel. Um, Specifically, uh, the most notorious of these was one DEA, DEA agent named Enrique Camarena. Um, he was a Mexican-born undercover agent for the DEA. Um, he actually gave information leading to, the, uh, to a raid at um, Rancho Buffalo, which is a 2,500-acre marijuana plantation. Um, that's a big-ass fucking weed field, dude. Um, yep. It produced $8 billion annually, American. Damn. Um, so this was raided with 450 Mexican soldiers with helicopter air support. Um, but uh, Enrique uh, Camarena was quickly identified as the rat within the cartel. Um, Not a good place to be. No. Uh, and on February 7th, 1985, he was kidnapped in broad daylight by corrupt Mexican police officers. Um, they were working, you know, for the Guadalajara cartel headed by Felix Gallardo. Um, Camarena was brought to Gallardo's ranch and was tortured for over a 30 hour period. Um, witness testimony, uh, later stated that, um, high ranking Mexican government officials, police, um, and politicians were present at the compound while the torturing was going on. And they had also kind of like went and said something to him. Like what, what, what there's a little bit of a conspiracy behind this because, um, because of all the big corrupt Mexican officials and a couple years ago, excuse me, um, two former CIA agents claimed that the CIA did it. That they kind of gave him up to the cartel because oh, he was, because he was, was getting too close to the uh, Iran Contra Colombian cocaine trade. Gotcha, and they needed to protect their um, their assets. Their baby, yeah, exactly. So possibility, but. Um, Either way, um, uh, he had his skull, uh, jaw, nose, cheekbones, and windpipe um, completely crushed uh, while being constantly burned with cigarettes. Uh, His ribs were shattered, every single one of them, and he had a hole drilled into his head with a power drill. Um, Meanwhile, he was being injected uh, with amphetamines and other drugs by uh, a legitimate doctor who was later charged for being there uh, to keep him alive and like conscious longer during the fucking torture, which is so fucked up. Um, his body among, uh, I'm sorry, his body along with another um, informant were found like a month later in the, the neighboring state. 
so this prompted a massive response by the U.S. federal government, Mexican authorities. It was just a big fucking deal. You don't, you don't kill a DEA agent, I guess. You know. Uh, well, I'm not expect some sort of reaction. Exactly. Um, so uh, huge manhunt. I mean, you know, no, no expense spared for whatever. Um, Gallardo, the uh, El Padrino of the of the Guadalajara cartel was arrested in 1989, along with several other leaders of the Guadalajara cartel and uh, corrupt government officials. Um, so my question is, are there any, yes. any non-corrupt officials in the Mexican government? No. Okay. It doesn't, doesn't seem that way. No, and no, it doesn't. It really doesn't. And I hate to say, I hate to say it. <laughs> that way and so so straightforward but yeah no i hate uh, yeah i i it doesn't seem like it because even um and i mean you know welcome to uh us putting our tinfoil hats on again but um every kind of like conspiracy behind all this shit really leads into like the united states might be pulling the strings in mexico and kind of you know exploiting it to an extent um but the government and all the police and prison wardens and everybody paid off. Yeah. I mean, yeah. without question, in one way or another. And, and it's incredible because, um, I mean, we'll get into the next episode. This, this episode, uh, Accomplices, is just kind of be like a, a backstory on El Chapo up until, I think I got him up until like fucking 1993. And then we're going to come back and we're going to get into um, him being on the run and a couple of his prison escapes and stuff. The, the, the really notorious shit that he gets into. But, um, man. <laughs> it, it, yeah. So, okay. This eventually led to, um, well, the, 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 uh, the arrest of Gallardo, you know, and the dissolving of of the cartel basically eventually led to a summit among the leaders of the guadalajara cartel uh, including el chapo um they discussed the future of the cartel and the trade routes and the business in general and decide to kind of dissolve the guadalajara cartel as a really large entity and um form their own cartels um uh so el chapo finally had his now notorious Sinaloa cartel, like all to himself. This was it. Um, the, the, the Tijuana conflict, um, the conflict between the Sinaloa cartel and the Tijuana cartel began in 1989, pretty much right away. Um, and it lasted until 1993. Um, it was the very, very bloody, uh, brutal beginning of like the Mexican drug violence that we kind of know and associate with today. Yep. Um, revenge killings, uh, entire families just fucking murdered. Um, uh, this was also the first, uh, the first noted decapitation of the Mexican drug wars. Um, uh, Hector Palma, um, El Chapo's former mentor, current business partner. Um, he had uh, his wife's head mailed to him. Well, that's always pleasant. What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> What's in the box? <laughs> and um, as the violence raged on, actually, like, none of the leaders of these fucking cartels got you know, killed or anything, but like all of their families did, all of their subordinates did. Um, even though they were targeted, you know, multiple times from both sides, it, completely fucked. Um, I could go into, uh, you know, I, I was reading the, the Wikipedia on, on that part in particular, which I paraphrased into about a paragraph or a couple sentences. And it was just, it had this name and this guy in this person's two kids were thrown off a bridge in Venezuela as a reprisal and this person and that and that. And well, that. you know what the best part about it is, is Speak. it's all on video on the internet and you can watch it happen. Oh God. And you can you brought watch, it up. You can watch women get their 
arms and heads cut off with an axe and then dissolved in a vat of acid. Oh, yeah. I was, well, so speaking of the videos, um, you sent, well, you sent me the links to, to like where to, where to see them. And um, the first, so my takeaway from the first decapitation video that I watched was um, there's a lot of sawing involved. Yeah, this is some some ISIS grade shit, and yeah, um, yeah, but it's a lot closer. So that and I, I lived on the border, and I'm. You have your opinions. I yeah. have my opinions. Um, I would say Mexico is a garbage fucking country, and <laughs> the ground. Um, not not all. I don't like hate all Mexicans, but goddamn, their fucking government and shit just needs to be burned down and started over. It's really fucked up down there. It's a fucking corrupt ass culture, and just I, yeah, like I, like I like I I love so many things about Mexico, but it's so yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah. like at this point, it's basically a failed state, you know. It, Sadly, that's kind of what it seems. And, and I know you might take this, you know, differently, and I might be a bleeding heart snowflake melting liberal right now. But like, the, I feel like the, the, the people that are fucking coming over here as immigrants or whatever are, are not fucking criminals and bullshit. I mean, yes, obviously, some of them are. But like, they don't need, they don't need to come here illegally if they're fucking criminals and shit. They can just be I mean, uh, they're just, they're, they're gang, they're literal gang members in fucking, uh, Chicago, in San Diego, in, I mean, here in fucking Oakland, I'm sure there's literal cartel members. It's, but I feel like what, what the general consensus of the people coming from Mexico seeking refuge, uh, and there I, I, I tipped my fucking hat right there. They're refugees, man. These these border fucking towns. Sixty thousand people got fucking murdered. Sixty thousand people got murdered in just these two Mexican states over the course of like this four years of this Tijuana conflict. I mean, well, that's war refugees. All right. If if we're gonna if we're gonna get into that, we're not. We're not. We don't have okay. to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because um, I know. I know. Yeah. But. Anyway, it's fucked up down there. Uh, well, it is. It is. I, I guess. I guess what I'm trying up. to do is I, I'm trying to trying to side with you as much as possible while still well, here, Here's own, the thing, though. There's, there's some places where they got tired of that shit and they're arming themselves in these vigilante bands and they're fucking taking. Yes. It and that's I, what you fucking have to do. Don't. Come... I think I saw. I think I saw. I know you hate Vice, but I think there was a Vice, a mini Vice doc on that. The, yeah, they've they've done some good stuff. Um, um, as much, as reluctant as I am to say it, them being a fucking leftist communist bullshit pinko rag. But now but, that um, but now that you say that, I remember that like an episode of that in particular, and it no, was I, like I think, yeah, I think they did cover that pretty yeah. well. It was good. Yeah, it did. It it um, who was it led by? It was led by some big burly like huge dude uh, uh like ex-military commander or whatever but yeah they would just go and murder cartel members and like assault their little compounds and stuff or, and and they'd set up roadblocks and basically say you can't smuggle drugs through here we're gonna search every vehicle that's not like from yeah. here and like we've had it with your bullshit we will fucking kill you if you set foot here so that's what you gotta do i mean i uh yeah i believe that but hey it's anyway. a very difficult situation. I'm not placing uh, blame or responsibility on anybody or uh, sticking very hard to my political guns. I'm, uh, I'm very easily swayed um, because I take people's opinions into fucking context and I, I read facts. Um, but anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, what's in the box, dude? Um, <laughs> this all, uh, this all culminated on May 24th, 1993. And we'll get out of here on this tonight. Um, uh, May 24th, 1993 at the Guadalajara international airport, um, around 4, 10 PM, 20 gunmen from two separate rival cartels of the Sinaloa cartel opened fire on a white Mercury grand marquee sitting in the parking lot. 
Um, they were acting on a tip that El Chapo was uh, in the parking lot waiting for a flight to Puerto Vallarta. Um, however, uh, El Chapo was not in the white Mercury. He was a few dozen yards away in a green Buick sedan because everybody, I guess, drives pieces of shit fucking cars. I guess um, so. <laughs> uh, so... The occupant of the White Mercury actually was the Archbishop of Guadalajara. And uh, yeah, he was also the Cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church. So um, six other people along with the Cardinal, Juan Posadas, were killed in the shooting. Um, He was shot 14 times and pronounced dead at the scene. If there's one thing Mexicans take seriously, it's their Catholicism. Um, (laughs) so, So yeah, people are fucking pissed. And, uh, oh, man. So I have, the, I have the UFC fights on mute right now. I was watching the guys get patted down and read into the ring two seconds ago. I looked down and started reading, and now my fucking guy is sitting on his ass. Oh, what, shit. What the hell happened? Oh, fuck. Anyway, um, coincidentally, the uproar from, you know, the Mexican public, government officials around the whole fucking world, um, Vatican, uh, you know, everybody, uh, in all this confusion and shit, El Chapo was actually blamed for for the shooting and assassination of this cardinal. They kind of saw it as like a a terrorist act against innocent civilians. You know, oh, but, so so they think El Chapo intentionally killed the cardinal. Exactly. They don't. Yes. Which um, later, uh, you know, in trial, he'll actually be um, what's it called? That charge will be dismissed. Because it'll it'll be turned out that you know he wasn't there for that he got away in the sh- in the fucking chaos of the shooting he manages to get away he goes to a safe house about twenty minutes from the airport um but uh yeah so once he starts to see his face show up in headlines as you know the number one suspect and all this stuff um. He uh, starts to bug a little bit and is worried about getting getting caught. So he starts jumping around from Guadalajara to Mexico City, back to, you know, Sinaloa. And then he, you know, keeps bouncing around. And eventually he um, bribes uh, a a Guatemalan military official with $1.2 million U.S. um, to let him cross the border and seek you know, just, just to hide out on the south side of the border of Mexico. Yeah, um, damn, that's in uh in Guatemala that's gotta be enough to fucking retire forever. I mean I, I yeah. Yeah, I mean like five hundred bucks would probably change my life right now. <laughs> and I'm like a half white American. Yeah, you're in the wrong business, I guess. I know. <laughs> so um so yeah. El Chapo's on the fucking run, everybody. Um, uh, man, um, this is, that is gonna where we're be. Gonna leave it? Yeah, we're we're gonna leave it right here uh, because uh, yeah, he he just he just made it over the border into Guatemala right now, um, and everybody's hot on his fucking tail. Uh, but um, yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of those, the everything being on tape, I watched. I watched a couple. Um, the, my my takeaway from the first one was, yeah, decapitation takes a lot more sawing than I thought it would. I mean, um, if you do if you do it that way, like if you watch the chainsaw ones or the axe ones, they, I they saw get I saw I saw a chainsaw one. That one was was pretty fast, but uh, but um, yeah. And then I saw another one where they're but like it seemed the dudes that got that got their heads cut off. Um, they seemed like they were out of it pretty quickly. Yeah, well, and I hear that they're they're drugged up for the uh, oh, videos. That kind of makes sense because they they just like blurred out whoever they work for and like this and that. And the next thing they're yeah, um, and and they're pretty calm. Well, I imagine they've been very calm. Now that you mention it, it really makes a lot of sense. I, I imagine also they've been tortured for quite a while, so they're just like, oh. fuck it, let's just get this over with. Yeah, but um, the one that the one that made me put put the fucking shit away was uh i watched this guy he he had his handcuffs he had his hands handcuffed behind his back but he was laying on his back in the dirt 
and there were two guys he was naked and there were two guys one each had one leg and i was like ah fuck they're gonna fucking castrate him and uh they didn't actually they um dismembered both his legs below the knee in a very um medical butcher way um it was brutal i started feeling like adrenaline bubbles and like faint tinglies in my mind in my brain and then he takes his fucking leg and hits him across the face with it and then he goes and cuts off the other one and does it again and the guy's just fucking still alive still totally conscious screaming and fucking no 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 and uh and then they cut his arms off at the shoulder joints and then i don't know the video ended or i think i might have just went outside for some fresh fucking air but uh don't watch that shit, people, unless you really want to, I don't know, test your well, gag I guess Well, I guess watch it if you're thinking about getting into the cartel business, because, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of All business, though. All business. Yeah, I mean, when, whenever someone thinks it's, oh, man, those guys are so cool, like, with their money and their gold-plated AK-47s and all their drugs is like, watch this shit. I yeah, mean, you got to see one of them like dismembered and still rolling around with no arms or legs. Yeah, in the dirt. That's, yeah. that's just not okay, man. I mean, that's not the kind of thing. That's not the kind of thing you want in your country. I guess. No, no. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, well, I think one of the issues is there's just so much rural, poor, desolate areas of Mexico a lot of mountainous regions a lot of re- you know areas for this kind of stuff to just kind of hang out but it i don't believe it happens here you know well that's not the places they fight oh it's it started to spill over i i, I know it has but i mean like i don't think i mean definitely gang members torture each other but like you know a drive-by shooting is much different than like a, a complete dismemberment and like filming it and yeah putting it on it or hanging the bodies off a bridge right like 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 they're sending messages it's yeah. it's terrorism it's narco-terrorism at that point yeah um oh yeah because yeah. There, there's a lot of like a lot of the people involved in this stuff are just the regular people it's just like how el chapel got involved it's just where you grew up you know his father grew opium poppy and sold it directly to the cartel i'm sure if he would have fucked something up he would have got his tongue pulled through his goddamn neck. You know what I mean? So it's, you know, all the corrupt police officers, police officers that don't want to take the payoffs, they get fucking murked. Um, I mean, journalists, you know, anybody trying to throw shade, if true or false, you know, I mean, whoo. Yep. So, so yeah. That's it. All right. Well, um, um, hey, let's do it. But on on that light note, let's do a shout out to your boy, uh, who's fighting in the UFC tonight, or oh, just fought. did he not? Did he not do so hot? Well, it's nine fifty one, and the scheduled programming was supposed to run until ten o'clock. So how does that? Sound? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, I looked away for a fucking second. I didn't even see them come out and touch gloves at the bell. It was over that fast, so I, I don't know. I gotta rewind and watch the replay because I'm I'm too worried. I'm too thinking about that guy getting his legs chopped off again. All right, um, all right. Well, let's let's clear our heads and be back next time for some more uh, <laughs> sunshine and unicorns. Fucking um, uh, talk about El Chapo Guzman. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun episode next time. He's gonna take a little bit more of that kind of like Robin Hood esque. Um, I don't know. Still, still brutal. So brutal. All right. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to another episode of Take the Money and Run. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at uh, – oh, fuck. Jimmy got knocked out 33 seconds in the first round. I just Oof. saw – yeah, I just saw. Um, follow us on Instagram <laughs> at Take the Money Pod. Um, and, uh, yeah, reach out. Um, if you like the show, if you have any suggestions on future topics, heists, robberies, fucking famous criminals, um, conspiracies we can touch on, I don't give a shit. Will doesn't either, I'm pretty sure. So, no, I, I give no shits. 
what else what else you got um that's about it uh i need to start researching them because you've done the last like four but i'm super fucking busy trying to start a business so that's my excuse i'm i'm proud of you for it and i'll thank you i'll fucking waste my time doing this anytime i enjoy the shit out of it um i really got to work on getting myself something to type on because fuck i just hate writing dude we live in the future like you don't even i know I know it's unbelievable. It's like you're writing cursive with a quail feather pen and then <clears throat> telegraphing it across the country in Morse code and then sending it in smoke signals, you fucking Luddite. We get on the Pony Express, taking yeah. the rest of the way. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, five star reviews uh, on fucking Apple Podcast app or whatever you listen on. Um, I'm, I'm still not sure reviews are a real thing. I don't, th- I mean, I know several people, including myself, have left them and they don't show up. And I think that might be some of the bullshit through this Anchor app where we're just not getting it. Oh, yeah. So fuck Anchor app. Um, the inventors of Anchor app need to, like, I hope their pets get microwaved and oh, their children are uh, tossed off bridges in Venezuela. Vegetables. Yeah, something like that. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, if you have any good ideas for a podcast um, accoutrement where two people can, um, like, telecast from two different sides of the country at the same time, we are all ears. Let yeah. us know. Yeah, we're looking to do a couple things, um, but, uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. But we will be here for you uh, because you are our accomplices, and uh, without you, um, well – we're probably doing this anyway. So Yeah, I'm I'm not even sure if anyone's listening anymore. I don't think so. I get yeah, the most random likes on, yeah. on Instagram on things and I really just think uh people follow hashtags and they're just like, Oh look, it's a picture of El Chapo. Yep. So anyway, follow us on the bullshit. Yeah. Um, Tell your friends that on we're the doing bullshit. This. Tell your fucking friends. I have not yeah. seen anybody um like share uh on Facebook or anything this podcast and i understand it's not good i won't bullshit you well it's but, not bad uh, it's, it's not, the, not worst. the worst um we're not we're not propaganda at least right we're we're we have opinions on shit but you know what we don't fucking force them on you i don't give a shit That's and true. uh but um things are interesting to talk about even yeah. if you don't completely agree with the person it, it's interesting to hear what they have to say it's interesting for them to hear what you have to say and you know what? If you still come away with it not agreeing, who gives a shit? Yeah. Go buy some tacos. Go buy Fuck. some tacos. But anyway, um, anywho, any now. Yep. It's uh, still today here and it's still tomorrow there. But, yeah. Um, I think we've been saying uh, that's all for the last five minutes. So let's just. Uh... Yep. You're right. All right. Stay Adios. Dangerous.